Today's episode is brought to you by my new book, Fuck Whales, Petty Essays from a Brilliant Mind. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold. You're listening to the Madcast Media Network. Madcastmedia.com Welcome to the best debate in the universe, every debate in the universe, from getting the shocker to Hogan versus Gawker. With over 3 million downloads, I'm your host, Maddox. With me is the Deputy Cadet Moderator, Ron Babcock. Hey. And Junior Journalist, Taylor Nikolai. Please don't make fun of me. Welcome back to the show. Guys, huge show today, exciting debate, one I've been looking forward to for a long time. It's about virtue signaling. I have a lot of strong opinions about that. Oh, do you really? As soon as I figure out what it is. Okay, well, that's good because I brought a definition. But first, I want to introduce our guest this week, Ryan Holiday. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Yeah, is this my second time, third time? I don't remember. Second time, and I believe the last time you came on was when your last book came out. That was uh, Ego is the Enemy. It's right there. Yeah, Ego is the Enemy. Yeah, two books. Yes. Two appearances. Done. That was a great show, by the way. Thank you. That was the first time I actually created a video promo for the, for one of our episodes. Okay. And you would not believe the amount of work I put into this fucking promo. I, I took your logo, the uh, the bust right there. And yeah. I, I forget the, the bust, but I actually had to do a Google image search. You found it. I found it. Yeah. And it was not even... I don't think it's the... Uh, Who's it supposed to be? Aurelius? I think it's Hadrian. Hadrian, yeah. The Emperor Hadrian. Yeah. Yes. And I had to, I found a bust version of it with his head on, and I had okay. to take the head off and then 3D model it. <laughs> I brought it into a 3D modeling program yeah. so I could rotate it during the promo. It was an insane amount of work, and I thought, oh, I'll use this again. Never use it since. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you had to do all those visual effects work to your face. I didn't even need to because I, I hit it. Oh. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no face. Nice work. Thank you. So, Ryan, your new book is out, Conspiracy. Yes. It's the Peter Thiel and uh, Denton. Uh, Peter Nick Thiel, Denton, and, and Hulk Hogan. It's the Gawker incident yes. where Hulk Hogan sued Gawker Media. Well, I- incident sort of undersells what was like a nine-year, $10 million conspiracy to wipe a media outlet off the planet. But yes, yeah, that, that's what... That's what the, it's an insane story that somehow involves a billionaire... Uh, a professional wrestler, uh, a gossip website, and then the president of the United States. Yeah, this is this is an insane story, yes. and it's so fascinating. I, I just picked up the book, and you had a book signing in Los Angeles at Book Soup recently. Yep. Great book story. You guys should check it out. You have more book signings coming up at uh, ryanholiday.net slash events. Yes. You can see all the events. You've got the, the next few are in San Francisco, right? San Francisco, Seattle, Denver, Austin. There might be some other that I'm forgetting. All over the map. Yeah. So, guys. I go where they tell me. Yeah. Well, this. so this book is absolutely fascinating. I, I think the stories is fascinating. Can you speak about that anecdote about Machiavelli's book, the um, the Livy, the uh, yeah, Delusions just- of the... So in Discourses on Livy, yeah. Machiavelli talks about conspiracies and, and he's saying that that they're this sort of weapon of the people that like sort of princes and kings wage war directly, but it's only sort of the average person that has to conspire, whether it's to kill the prince or overthrow the prince. And so I was trying to sort of look at my theory is sort of we have all these conspiracy theories in the world, right? Yeah. Uh, and almost none of them are true or very few of them are true. Right. And then there are actual conspiracies. There are things that do happen, but we know very little about them, mostly because uh, the people never admit to them. So this, to me, was like an actual conspiracy, and then the idea that it sort of lined up perfectly with Machiavelli and 
I was in Peter Thiel's house and sort of snooping through his bookshelf, and he he had this book on the shelf. So <laughs> it sort of worked out perfectly. But yes, that that the concept is like, oh, what do you do when you're you know as as powerful as a billionaire is? Like a media outlet is almost always more powerful because they have these protections of the First Amendment. They have the and and the the direct access to a large audience. You know, the media outlet's more powerful. So what do you do? And he sort of decides he's gonna act in secret and he funds these lawsuits against them and eventually bankrupts and destroys them. And it was all because Peter Thiel was slighted because they outed him. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what your definition of a slight is. But in 2007, one of Gawker's websites runs an article that says Peter Thiel is totally gay people and it outs him as gay, a thing that he was open with to his, let's say, close friends and family but didn't really believe was anyone's business. So he's, right. this sort of most private thing about his life is exposed to everyone, and not just exposed, but done in a sort of very flippant, like, you're weird, why are you hiding this kind of way? Yeah. And so sort of smarting about this, and then sort of being introduced to a website that does this very regularly, he's like, uh, I'm this shouldn't exist, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah, wow, that's it's absolutely fascinating how... And then he he's had that one singular goal and focus for over nine years... Yeah, so he, this happens in 2007. Yeah. He does not even act. He takes like the first real step in the conspiracy in 2000, April of 2011. So he waits for years just, just until he simmering. has the right opportunity, just simmering, just thinking. And then the whole Kogan case isn't filed until mid-October of 2012. And then it doesn't even get a verdict until March of 2016. And it's still being you know, sort of sorted out now. So like just the patience and... I mean, it's nice to have a hobby. <laughs> yeah, it, it, his hobby—it's it, an interesting hobby, considering you know he also is on the board of Facebook. You know, he's the majority shareholder of like one of the largest defense companies in the world. Like, you wouldn't think he would need a hobby, but in in fact, he, how, apparently, he does. How long did you spend like working on this and researching everything? Uh, about eighteen months. So it was—it was sort of a, an eight, but an eighteen-month sprint. I mean, there was like. 25,000 pages of legal documents. I mean, I had to interview all these people. It was way more, and I'm like truncating the events of what happened. I mean, there's so many absurd things happen in this story. Was it like when you went into it, did it end up being way more crazy than like what you originally thought it was? Obviously, you went into it because you're like, this is an interesting story to tell. A thousand times more crazy. I mean, so uh, for starters, so we know like Gawker runs this this sex tape uh, and that's what they get sued over. But what we don't know is that so the sex tape is, and this is where it gets really weird. The sex tape is Hulk Hogan having sex with his best friend's wife. His best friend being a radio DJ in Florida named Bubba the Love Sponge. His legal name, uh, Bubba the Love Sponge. And it happens... That's actually, that doesn't... Knowing radio, radio DJs, that sounds pretty on point. But wait, this is, this is, that's not the weird part. <laughs> this is all publicly known. The, the weird part is that... Um, so he records the tapes. It actually comes up in, in Bubba's divorce from his wife at some point. Like, who gets the sex tapes we recorded of our friends without their consent. Um, and then, so Bubba gets them, he locks them in a drawer in his desk, and then they're stolen, and then they mysteriously appear on Gawker. So who steals them? So the working theory is that they were actually stolen by a rival DJ, a former employee of Bubba. And what was his who, name? Uh, I won't say, because he was never, never convicted for this crime. But uh, it's a silly name. Let's put it that <laughs> way. It's right, a very cool. ridiculous. It's a it's like Tubby it, the Love it, Rag or yeah, something. Yeah, it's it's, it's like rag. that. Um, and uh, so he steals it and leaks it, not to humiliate Hulk Hogan, 
but to hopefully dislodge his rival from the morning DJ slot. Man, the so, morning DJ game in Florida is intense. insane. <laughs> it is like Game of Thrones level. Yeah. So this entire series of events that culminate in a $300 million media outlet being wiped from the planet is set in motion by two squabbling Florida DJs. That's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. And and uh one of my one of my favorite things at the now at the start of the book you talked about how Nick Nick Denton and, and Peter Thiel lived not too far from each other, right? Yeah, and now they they happen to to live not far from each other and they're like shockingly similar. Like so this epic conflict between these sort of two larger than life figures. They're both gay, they're both immigrants. They're sort of both libertarians. They're both like they both like saying controversial things that uh -huh. piss people off. Uh, you know, they're both super rich. Uh, it's it's like you would think that they would be best friends, yeah, not mortal enemies. But in a way, it's I I almost feel like we get in these intense conflicts with people who are not that dissimilar to us. It's yeah. never like our complete opposite that we're mad at. It's always there's always something in them that makes us upset or something mm -hmm. i i have these two friends who are both like the chillest dudes and that's how i describe each of them they're both really chill they just go with the flow everybody likes you're them you're talking about me right <laughs> no ron not you <laughs> although you're like a medium chill yeah, i get you i get fired up about like really lame things yeah but... like organizing yeah well i mean obviously it's a travesty in this place okay yeah oh man the first time ron came over he's like you got so much dust <laughs> yeah. it was so much and I, the fact that you didn't think it was weird how much dust you had is what makes me even think it's more weird. Well, I know when it's weird. When you can weird. write your own name in the dust, like <laughs> when you can leave notes for your roommate in the dust and have it be legible, that's too much dust. That's pretty convenient. <laughs> Saving time, idiot. <laughs> so I have these two friends who are like just super chill. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to have them meet. This will be right. incredible. And the two chillest dudes where I can't even imagine them being upset or or not getting along with anyone immediately started fighting. I'm right. like, oh my gosh. Wow. And they were fighting about, one was talking about how Burning Man is cool, and the other one's like, no man, Burning Man became too corporate, and then they started arguing. So they have the same opinion, yeah. right? Like that, that is the same opinion. One just likes it more now than the other, but they, they both inherently like Burning Man. Yeah. Trying and I was argue who's more chill yeah, while the, being chill? While being chill. And I was blown away. I'm like, oh my God, the two chillest dudes I know are arguing, and and I've never seen them argue outside of this conversation. And I'm like, oh, my God, they are fighting to be the alpha slacker. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, a, a journalist I was talking to about the book, he, he said um, that uh, it, it was the narcissism of small distinctions. And I was like, oh, that's a brilliant phrase. That's oh, yeah. totally what it is. It's like huh. because that distinction is important only to you because mm. uh, it's such an outsized part in you. That's why it's a big. But to you, you're like, you guys are exactly the same. I like you for the same reason. Yeah. They're like, no, but I part my hair this direction, not that direction. And it matters to them because that's their identity. I did yeah. a show and I think it was like Iowa City once and there was like a river and then across the street there's another city called like rock city or something i don't know rockport yeah. and people in like iowa city were like man you got to watch out for the people from rockport it's pretty crazy over there i'm like it's literally the same thing you're both shitty the, towns in iowa one of yeah. you has a chipotle one doesn't that's the only difference it's like you're all from iowa it's all the same thing yeah but people always try and throw up walls for those little distinctions yeah so they could have their own little tribe i mean i guess uh, on a macro level you maybe you could make the case about you know races with skin colors like uh we're all pretty much the same thing but uh, oh they're a little bit browner than you than us mm -hmm. 
Yeah, or like uh, my one of my grandfathers was an immigrant who didn't like immigrants, right? Like he came uh, here, so but it was like he's a different kind of immigrant. Like his identity was of this type of yeah. immigrant, and they were a different kind of immigrant. But to like me, I'm like, uh, you all just came here in boats. Like, what's the big my deal? Uncle you know? Mike was um, he fought in World War II, Battle of the Bulge, and he was uh, Slovak, and he almost like he just almost fell out of his chair when he found out, uh, you know, his nephew was marrying get this an Irish woman. He couldn't like wrap his head around. He was like, "You're marrying an Irish person," and it's like, "It's just another white girl." Like, it's yeah. not that big of a deal. But, was yeah. it a big slight against Slovaks? Like, he what? just he only likes Slovaks, and that's uh. it. Like, if you ain't Slovak, you know, go Slovak or go home. His that was his thing. That go was where Slovak, his level was. Go Slovak or go Bach. Go Bach. <laughs> well, Maddox, is that why you hate beautiful geniuses? Okay, you know what? Fuck you, Taylor. And by the way, we should give Taylor an introduction because. Uh, Taylor, I don't think you've been on this show for uh, at least 50 or so episodes. I right? was on and we talked about Pokemon Go. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that was the week that Pokemon Go was popular. And, and I said that people was were week. I said people were going to stop playing it very soon after and yeah. I was exactly right. Yeah, well guess what? You're exactly wrong because I still play it every day, fuckface. And in fact, I have taken over a gym. All right? I've taken over a gym. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, oh. that sounded like a really cool episode that we should all listen yeah. to. Do you, do you actually want to make that public? Or? Yeah, I know. No, I know. I Everyone I makes fun of me. I own a gym on Pokemon Go. I was walking down the street, true story, walking down the street, and I was with three of my friends, and all three of them were giving me shit because I was training, right? I and But you train by carrying it with you, and it tracks your, your steps, and it, you hatch Pokemon eggs that way. And I'm trying to explain it to them how cool it is, and it, they're all three of them are making fun of me. And then I notice this girl walking ahead of us kind, kind of starts to slow down and drift into our group. And she goes, excuse me, um, I'm sorry, I overheard. Are you playing Pokemon Go? I'm like, yeah. She goes, I'm playing too. And I'm like, cool, I'm Team Instinct. What are you? She goes, I'm Team Instinct. And then her friends up ahead, four of them, turned around. They're like, we're all playing. And we we immediately hit it off, and we're like, dude, let's go take over this gym over here. And then we started bullying my friends, and we immediately turned into bullies. We started making fun of them. We were like, you guys are fucking losers for not playing. I'm like, yeah, now I these are my new friends. And did you still keep in touch with them? or No, but I know they're Pokemon in gyms, because there's, there's one in particular that's a, a region-specific, and this girl's the only one in this region that has it. So Are the only people left Team Instinct? Team Instinct has made it a huge comeback. I can't believe we're having a Pokemon Go conversation. Everyone picked Team Instinct at the beginning because no. it was the lame one, and now that's the only people left. All right, what are you saying, Taylor? You better watch it. Junior journalist. I'm sorry. So Taylor, Taylor, we should mention, is going to be doing the news at the end of the show, Ooh. but we should get to the debate this week. And uh, Ryan, uh, I want to more. Yeah, we got virtues to signal. Yeah, we've got virtues to signal. Now, we talked about this before the show on how to even phrase this debate. Yeah. I thought, is virtue signaling bad? And what, what did you say? What did you suggest? Uh, what's, the, what's wrong with virtue signaling? What's, what's the wrong? problem with it? Okay, that's now the reason I, I think that that kind of puts the, the cart ahead of the horse because it, it implies... But you could say it either way. You could be like, what's wrong with, in, with virtue signaling? Or you could say it like, you know, the other one. Okay, well, I'm going to argue... That there's nothing wrong with virtue signaling because I, right. I'm always the heel of the show and I always argue the other side of the debate. But your so your position is that it is uh, sort of ruined society with sort of this pretensions of caring about other people, about caring about the world, about making the world a better place. And then it sort of swapped sort of online our online personas for like real life action. Great. Okay. Well, that's the debate, guys. Let's hear everyone's buzzer before we continue. Here's mine, Ryan. Trigger. Okay, and Taylor. And Ron. There it is. That one. 
So if you hear a buzzer from anyone at this table, that means someone is disagreeing with someone else, someone wants to interject, point out a logical fallacy, or just make a contribution. So Ryan, as our guest this week, first stab at the debate, you think that this is... Well, why don't you give the... Def don't we need a definition? Yeah, I think, I think okay. we need that. Let's, I think okay, everyone needs that. Good point. Okay, so I brought in the virtue signaling definition. This is according to Google, and I think they did a pretty good job here. It says, the action or practice of publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. And they gave an example here in a sentence. It says, it's noticeable how often virtue signaling consists of saying you hate things. Yes. And that actually comes from an article where the guy who coined, and well, not coined, but popularized yeah. the phrase, uh, said that, actually. So what do you think is wrong with virtue signaling, Ryan? So is, wait, so is it virtue signaling if I write that I hate how they charge extra for guacamole? No, or is that just no. an opinion? No, you would be saying like I hate how they uh they they don't use like fair trade organic guacamole at Chipotle, right? Because what you're saying, and is I that... do hate that. Thank you. Right. No. In fact, you don't, but you want to be seen as a person who cares about those. Like you would have no ability to actually taste the difference between those two things. You know, you would have uh no one has asked your opinion about those things. We are sort of. You're, you're trying to show that you're not like sort of the common man who uh, just gets whatever is cheapest or or whatever is easiest, and instead you hold yourself to this higher, sort of higher, higher ethical and moral standard than and very, everyone and being else. Being very public about it. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you could argue that a good chunk of the alt right is motivated by just sort of an intense reaction against virtue signaling and this sort of holier than thou sort of political correct element of our culture. So the reason they are so deliberately sort of vulgar and offensive and terrible is that they feel one, I think some of them genuinely feel that's more real, but two, they are just trying to stick it to these like fake assholes who are pretending to be better than everyone else. Well, I think it seems like a lot of people feel if somebody virtue signals, you know, like uh, like a the male feminist online, you know, yeah. who mm -hmm. goes on. I think sometimes people feel like they may be saying something that they believe, but then somebody else, for whatever reason, feels judged because of that. Well, you look, know, like a lot of people feel judged when they're not necessarily being judged, but they they're internalizing that as judgment. Well, I think I think they are being judged when when you're saying something that sort of go when when you're saying that you're better than other people, you're judging them right mm -hmm. but but i think like a good example of virtue signaling is we're, we're seeing like with the me too movement on, in a lot of ways it's sort of emblematic of this but you're seeing a lot of people who sort of put themselves up as these sort of either male feminists or supporters of progressive causes or sort of you know stewards of of humanity and then it turns out they're like raping people behind yeah. closed doors right you know like you have a matt lauer who go on tv and talk about mm -hmm. all the right things and then he gets off air and he's like shutting the door, the automatic door in his office so he can bend someone over his desk, right? Like that's not- That must have been a weird conversation when he actually talked to like the office manager and was like, hey, I, can I get like a, a button on my desk? <laughs> you know, like a That Bond just villain. closes yeah. my door? Yeah. Like, or are you going to be a dick about it? Like, can I just get this installed? Well, yeah, and he's probably, his reasons have got to be like, oh, you know, it's just to keep like security threats out. Or, you know, I just, it's, I'm so tired after I doing this show. I just love to be able to push the button and close the door. The door. So just to clarify, this is different than like like Maddox. He's right publicly and then also is perfect behind closed doors. That's correct. Thank you, Taylor. No, I, I think sort of virtue signaling is kind of this like humble bragging. It's like nobody yeah. asked you, but you're letting people know how much better you are than them. And 
it's you and it, it's interesting the virtue there's not like a diversity of positions expressed in virtue signaling right there's not a lot of christian virtue signaling i would say it tends to be i i think there's sort of christian preaching but like virtue signaling i would say predominantly online is sort of left of center it's progressive uh it, it's 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 making sure you're sort of enforcing these rules of how good people are supposed to be. Well, here's the thing about that, Ryan. I love virtue signaling. Okay. I'm, I, <laughs> Fuck I, you! I don't believe like, that for one I, second. <laughs> I fucking love... What's wrong with signaling your virtues? I want everyone to know how good I am all the time. In fact, that's where my whole Maddox crown and cape getup came from, is after Hurricane Katrina, I made a donation to the Red Cross... And then I wanted everyone to know how good I am. How and much? Uh, it was about thirty-five hundred dollars. Okay, not not bad. That's right? pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it was a, it was in this in this instance, some heroes do wear capes. Yeah, I and that was me, and I was like, I'm yeah. the hero. And then I found a picture, uh, excuse me, an old painting from the Renaissance era of a pope, where a line of people were bending over to kiss his hand. And I thought that's, and I photoshopped my face onto mm -hmm. it. And I thought, I thought that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go around the nation and go on a hand kissing tour. Because I <laughs> except every time someone does it, you ejaculate, and you know that's a problem. Wrong. I'm dry, dry as the desert down there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> Neither do I, man. Uh, so, so then people called me on my bluff. They're like, "Hey, Maddox, are you really going to go on a hand kissing tour?" I'm like, "You know what? Fuck it, I will." And I went out and I bought a cape and a crown, and I actually did that as a part of my first book tour. Mm -hmm. So that was like a really fun thing. And I really like people to think of me as virtuous. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with that? Well, in yeah. This, in, <laughs> so, so in this case, is it, is it signaling if it's real? Right? Like, okay. so, so the, 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 uh, I, I think this, what's interesting about the Me Too movement thing. So you say you're a feminist, but meanwhile, you sexually harass women in your private life. You're not a feminist. You're right. signaling that you are. And so evolutionarily, signaling is how you're supposed to, signal to a mate that you have the right qualities, right? right? And so uh, oftentimes what happens is that these sort of things we see are supposed to be shortcuts like, oh, you know, if, if you have a good skin, it means you're healthy. Or if you're strong, it means you're, you know, sort of physically vigorous. Or if you have money, it must mean you're clever and powerful and all these things, right? And so what I think has happened is that, you know, there's that saying like, um, the tail wagging the dog, yeah. that the signaling has taken over the actual things, mm. right? So like today in LA, it, was, it took me a long time to get here because there's like a, an anti-gun march. Oh, right, right yeah. Um, which in, on, in theory is awesome. I have, uh, even though I, I, I'm sort of very pro Second Amendment, uh, I have a concealed carry license. Like I'm, I, I live in Texas. I, I'm generally pro-gun. I think our gun laws in this country are insane. However, so I'm pro the thing, but how many of the people are are going to the event not because they think it will make a difference, but because if they don't go, it won't show how great they are, and if they don't go, they can't take pictures of it and yeah. put it on Instagram. So it's this sort of hashtag virtue signaling. It's great content. Like, great content, of course. Versus yeah. actually giving the money or uh, using your platform or influence in some way that might actually bring about change or result. I see what you're saying. Okay, so that version of virtue signaling, especially with these male feminists online, that's always a fucking red flag. Anytime yeah. some guy's like, you know, thou doth protest too much. Right. You're going out there making sure everybody knows they're feminist. They, it, almost every time one of these really outspoken guys, you know, uh, eventually they get they get nipped because who was that guy? Um, 
Andesetti, uh, Garcetti, something like that. He was a, he was a writer. I, the very first episode of this show, I talked about him because he wrote this huge virtue signaling article about the the female Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like, oh, we need a female Ghostbusters, this and that. And always wrote like, you know, left of center, very feminist positive articles and things like that. But then he got busted for sexual harassment. One of the uh, producers at uh, Defy Media got uh, got nabbed for this. Yeah, he did. He got he was doing some weird ass shit. Yeah, some weird stuff. I mean, let's be clear, everything changed after the new Ghostbusters came out. That's true. <laughs> the thank world you. Changed. Thank you Taylor. That was the cultural milestone that changed everything. That was that was the that's what bore the Me Too movement. So, if you're thinking about even that Ghostbusters thing, which I, you know, it was so weird that people had such strong opinions about it. It's like who who gives a shit? I don't care about we like Ghostbusters. Way stronger way. opinions about Ghostbusters than like most wars were involved in. Yeah, of course. Which again <laughs> Which is, is a like, virtue signaling thing, yeah. right? You're trying to sh- like people are defending it, people are mad about it because they think it's that they they think that it's going to say something about them or whatever. But that was interesting. It's like you could argue like the people who decide to cast a, a female Ghostbusters are they doing it because those are the best people for the movie, or are they doing it because? that shows they're somehow more progressive or more yeah. open-minded than other people in Hollywood. And then you would go, then you would go, okay, like now there's this scandal in, in Hollywood that's sort of a rolling scandal of like, are women paid as much as their male counterparts? Um, sort of what are the, how are women treated on set, et cetera. Right. Was, was the movie, was that movie set like a paragon of virtue in that sense? Mm. That would be the, to me, that's what matters, not like what they you know, this statement to do this thing. So I, I, it, we're often, it's like this sort of style over substance thing to me is the essence of the problem of virtue signaling. Well, I brought in the article, the original article that actually made, you know, popularized this phrase. It was by, let's see, the guy's name is James Bartholomew. And this was published in The Spectator in the UK. And I, I brought a few excerpts that I want to read because he, he seems to think that this is not just left of center. It's actually both sides of the political aisle. He says, you can declare page three of the sun was degrading and embarrassing if you are a man. This indicates that you have great respect for women. Or, on the other hand, if you're a woman, you can say, isn't Mary Beard marvelous? I guess Mary Beard is a... a Female son. historian, who's actually quite wonderful. Oh, did it, and did she show up topless in page three or something? I don't believe okay. so, no. <laughs> so she's... I would okay, hope so, not. I so would I hope misinterpreted not. this sentence. <laughs> uh, I got the history of these titties. <laughs> so, so they're saying, if you're a woman, you can say that she's marvelous to show that you are way above shallowness of mere physical appearance. Yeah. Maybe she was a babe. We'll have to look uh, that up. No. No? I mean, I've, I've met Mary Beard before. No offense. She's a middle-aged okay. uh, or advanced-aged uh, British historian. So that's a very strange sentence. I think, I think they may have been criticizing her. It may have been an article that was criticizing her looks unfairly. Oh. And so it's like, how dare you? And then other people are, I don't know. Yeah, don't they're, they're saying exactly, that, the, that you're above the, the shallowness yeah. of physical appearance. Yeah. So I see what they're saying, yeah. And then it says, virtue signaling crosses the political divide. If you say, I hate four by fours, this is an assertion that, unlike others, you care about the environment. Right. It's noticeable how often virtue signaling consists of saying you hate things. It is camouflage. The emphasis on hate distracts from the fact that you're really saying how good you are. If you were frank and said, I care about the environment more than most people do, or I care about the poor more than others, your vanity and self-aggrandizement would be obvious, as it is with Whole Foods. Anger and outrage disguise your boastfulness. Yeah, no, it's sort of this humble bragging, right? I think by saying, I hate this, or I don't like this, or I'm outraged by this, uh, what you're doing is signaling that you have these opinions rather than necessarily owning those opinions or saying, I think I'm better than people that do X. Okay, well, in the instances of male feminists coming out and saying, you know, being very virtuous, like, hey, hey, ladies, I'm I'm one of you, I'm an ally, wink, wink. 
and then going out and doing heinous shit behind closed doors. Those those instances are obvious obvious examples of why virtue signaling is bad. But what about what about this? Hum- why is it bad to humble brag? Why is it bad to say, "Hey, I really care about the poor," but then not really give a shit? I guess, or or I guess, say <laughs> because, guess- because what it does is it create so so like the poor actually need help. What they don't need is you to change like your Facebook photo in solidarity with them. They don't need you to sign a petition about their poverty. They need like your money, or they need your political action to resolve the problem or the conditions that are causing their problem, right? right. So I think it, what it does is it allows us to pat ourselves on the back. So I, I think a lot of these trends, this sort of, we at this world of outrage porn, of virtue signaling, of sort of online slacktivism, and they're all sort of interrelated. And then we wonder why we have these like intractable problems that don't get resolved. It's right. like, because we're using up all our energy on all this like online bullshit. When real, in, in reality, like, political change is quite difficult and it requires compromise and it requires like hitching your wagon to like powerful shitty people you know like it it requires like getting your hands dirty but it's easy to tweet you know you you don't need an ar-15 or you know like it that's easy but like coming up with a gun law that's going to preserve what's enshrined in the constitution without pissing these people off and then could actually be viable and passed you know that doesn't require signaling it requires like compromise and action i to- i actually uh, i get what you're saying and i totally i kind of ag- agree with it because for me like the whole virtue signaling like saying something it doesn't bother me because you're trying like you're trying to do something but i also think like if you do anything that's just online like you don't you don't get a pat on the back. Okay, well, like, that's the, like a freebie. It's the equivalent it, of the sort of thoughts and prayers bullshit. Yeah, yes. you, like you could change your profile. Good for you, but don't f- trick yourself into the thinking that you did anything. Unless it's yep. like donating some money. It's like, but if you really care about something, you got to do an action. You got to donate time. You know. Oh, I'm excuse sorry. me, Ron. Did you not hear? Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm so sorry. I I didn't hear. But let's hear uh, what you have to say. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, aren't you supposed to be the moderator? Aren't you? Yeah, you've got to respect. You've got to respect the buzzer more than anyone. Yeah, David, without, without the without the respect to the buzzer, mm-hmm. we have anarchy. Yeah, we have promotions and demotions on the show. Sorry, I, I there. There's my buzzer. Th- I'm thank you. Virtue signaling that I respect the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually wrote about this very phenomenon in my book. The uh, I, th- I believe the chapter is fuck abstractions, and I talked about how much I hate abstractions, especially when it comes to problems. Like, for example, the culture of rape, right? Rape culture. It's actually a a phenomenon where Rain, the anti-rape and incest abuse network, came out and spoke against it because they said that you're taking a concrete problem and shifting the blame onto society by making culture the culprit as opposed to the individual rapist. Right. Mm -hmm. So... I looked at I looked at examples all across the board. Coney 2012 was a great example of virtue signaling because it was people putting bumper stickers on their car to raise awareness about a guy who's not even active in, yeah, in yeah. Where, where was it Cambodia or sure yeah so that's an example of where it doesn't work but there is examples I think of virtue signaling does work and one per, one example in particular is the pink equals sign. Now, that was a big campaign on Facebook where people a few years back, I think in 2012, changed their Facebook profile pictures to a pink equality sign to signal their support of gay equality and gay marriage. And I think that that campaign is a perfect example of virtue signaling working because— So you think the Supreme Court justices, when they're trying that case, (laughs) were like, how many Facebook pictures have been changed here? That— 
that cha- the 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 acceptance of gay marriage across this country was a result of the a certain number of Supreme Just- Court justices voting on a case more than another set of Supreme Court justices. Yeah, right. but don't you that, think that, and that was culture re- has like uh, you know something like that is a very public expression mm-hmm. that the culture became okay with the idea of gay marriage. Not saying that influenced the Supreme Court justices, but but the reason but the reason the Supreme Court justices even saw the case is that uh, you know a number of pro bono attorneys uh, you know. Some, uh, I'm forgetting, was it Oberfell or something? The woman who's willing to like be the representative in this case, like that is why the change came about. I would say that the pink equal sign has nothing to do with it. What I would say, if I was arguing against myself, <laughs> that's is, the that's the straw man argument sound. <laughs> no, no, because what this is here's the oh, this is the yeah. steel man argument okay, sound. Let's hear it. Because the good example is the uh, the ice bucket challenge, which I thought was fucking yeah. stupid and lame. Yeah. And I was like, why are you people wasting your time? But it actually was raising tons of money. And didn't they like cure ALS from not cure, but they there was some major scientific was a breakthrough, breakthrough yeah. as a result of it. So yeah. um, I I'm not. I'm not saying that it's never without value, but I think we've we've come to uh, embrace the superficial side over the the sort of nuts and bolts work of these things. Well, I'll agree with that, especially the ALS ice bucket challenge. Now, people came up to me constantly when that was going on. They're like, Maddox, you got to shit on this thing. And I really wanted to because it was super annoying. But then I looked at it and they really were raising a lot of money for ALS. And I'm like, guys, their goals are in line with their statements right so how can i impugn this movement that's actually accomplishing what it set out to do yeah as annoying as it was they actually did it and you know good for them they actually did raise a lot of money for als now the argument could be made that it was sometimes at the expense of other charities and and things that are more pressing like cancer and heart disease yeah but regardless they still accomplish their goals but back to the pink equality sign thing and why i think that was a straw man okay is because i think that our laws for the large part reflect the culture and society we live in and I think that may have been the tipping point in our culture and society where people were like, okay, this is a this is kind of crazy that we still don't have marriage equality for gays. And I think that maybe that that uh, signaling on Facebook may have tipped the scale in favor of gay marriage. What do you think about that, Ryan? Yeah, uh, Ryan, yeah, what do you Ryan. think about that? Wrong! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I would imagine that the the lawyers who donated, you know, millions and millions of dollars of legal of their of their legal fees to argue that case in front of the, the Supreme <laughs> Court would take would take umbrage with your characterization that that the random person putting a changing their Facebook photo was <laughs> was, was, was the key player <laughs> in bringing about that. I thing. don't know, man. I bet you they all have Facebook profiles. They're all and scrolling. I bet they didn't change them because they about... were too busy preparing legal briefs. But, but I think the, the challenge with. um Oh, sorry. I don't, I don't want to uh, step out of turn. Yeah, respect the buzzer. Thank you. Uh, I think the problem is, is it's kind of like a, it's a weird debate to have because you're basically saying like, oh, well, that's not authentic. And it's like, well, who is anyone to judge somebody else for what they believe? Because there are people who would probably do things and really believe in it. And like there, you know, I never like went to a protest before and uh, I went to uh, uh, the well, uh, you know the women's protest last March, right after Trump got elected. Yeah, and I went everything is better now. You solved it. No, <laughs> you but that's solved a, it. But that's the thing. It's like, so is that what the point is? Is like, I'm, I'm more. I, I don't know. I guess I'm more. I care more about stuff now. I, I read more about it. More like, woke. I'm, I'm more. Uh, I'm woke as fuck. Yeah. But it's like it's obviously nothing is gonna change immediately. But you do make more people aware. Like people are mm. making the effort. Like, isn't that important rather than just by this results only you have people who are like just trying to nudge the 
but they're not the but path. i mean i think that is that is like the essential problem of our sort of internet culture is that we we think that awareness is like the main everyone knows we have a gun control problem in this country like no one's like oh what are these guns you're talking but about but there's a like, process you have to go through like first the people who what, like what? before we could get to action like you have to have awareness first you have to have debate you have to I mean, for people who are coming at it from like i don't know anything about See, guns I, it's like i think what we have this sort of superficial understanding of history right so it's like we're like oh they marched a lot during the civil rights movement so we just need like marches but it's like they were marching for martin luther king wasn't like let's just march generally for for black people no he's like look we're boycotting the buses in montgomery and we're not going to ride this fucking bus until you stop segregating them and by the way we'll turn this entire town into fucking mayhem until you give us what we want right or we're going to come in we're just going to sit at your lunch counter and you're not going to have any business and, and we're not going to leave until that happens, right? These are very specific things. I think Martin Luther King would have probably been like, you're just marching generally for women, like just just for women in general. You're I mean, not going to ask for a specific thing. You have no sort of legislative component to this. You have you no connection. With the, the, like the, the process that they're choosing to do. And I think over time, there probably will be very specific, actionable things that people will get behind. Well, let me, let me, I actually wrote about this as well, the fuck raising awareness. Uh, and I'll tell you why it's a problem, raising awareness. It's because there is something Which called- Which you are raising awareness about. Well, that's true, more but it's not always- More people do need to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> more people should know about the fact that more people shouldn't know about should facts. Should know about facts, yeah. So the problem with raising awareness is the, there's a phenomenon, a social phenomenon called the bystander effect. And that's where, I think in the 1970s, there was a woman who was brutally murdered in New York. And it turns out there were 14 witnesses to this act. And everyone heard her screaming. Everyone heard her crying for help. Everyone heard her getting killed. And no one called 911. And the reason is, is because everyone else thought someone else would. So everyone just kind of took a hands-off approach. So sometimes raising awareness about a problem could cause a large mass-scale bystander effect where everyone thinks well it's a problem and we've raised enough awareness so someone's going to do something but at the end of the day oftentimes nobody does and i just wanted to contribute uh one of the things we were talking about before was uh a virtue signaling equaling good uh his latest book was fuck whales and uh 150 whales in australia were just beached uh and and died that's correct i covered that on my news story just recently on a lighter note uh <laughs> <laughs> Really dumb, really dumb, these whales. Like, and people are like, oh, whales are so smart. They can't even, they run into boats all the time. And people are like, well, boats are going fast. I'm like, it's a fucking, it was a, it was like a barge. And then they're like, well, you know, but they're still moving in no, water. Man, I'm like, well, it's just like when a dude's walking down the street and expects everyone to get out of his way. That's what me. the whale's thinking. Yeah. You know, the whale's thinking like, my ocean, you're a guest here. Mm -hmm. You get out of the way. Yeah. And then he just, you know. That's small signal. So Maddox yeah. started a movement here. <laughs> Your whales, whales, are so whales are dying like crazy, and it's all thanks to you. Uh, no, I, I agree. I think generally the problem with this awareness culture is that we think, like, look, I'm helping raise awareness. Someone else will do something once they've been made aware. The bystander effect, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and and I'm not sure that that's true. It's like, look, that's great if you, if you um, marched in the Women's March in then you're going to run for mayor of your small town later or city council or something like that. Like, I think th just the idea of being woke, it's like woke is, should be a means to an end, not an end state. Right. And so I think we like, we, we follow the news more than we need to. We have more opinions about the news than we need to. And then it's like, but, but then some magical better person, they're going to run for office or they're going to, you know, 
help support uh, a candidate that needs like they're going to do. And then it's like how many people watch if you if you combined all the ratings of the news channels and then you looked at how many people just voted like the most basic political action you could take. I'm not sure they would add up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm. more people follow the news and talk about the news and have opinions about the news than actually take action based on this information. And right. so to me, that's the trap of virtue signaling is you're like, look, I already said I'm a good person. Why do I need to do the actions that make me a good person? Yeah, that's a good point, Ryan. I, I guess when virtue signaling comes with inaction, that's that, that can become a problem. But I, I virtue, what, what, Ron? I just want to say that I agree a lot with what Ryan's saying, but I guess I just, I, it is, it's super annoying, man. It's super annoying when you have people who are like, oh, you know what the real problem is? And then they have their little Facebook rant and then yeah. they go on and then they like walk out of the house going like, I changed the world today. <laughs> it is super annoying. But I think a lot of people end there, but I think a lot of people keep going forward. You know, you do have more women running for office in this next uh, amount of midterms than have been in a long time. So a lot of people end up just like at where you're, you're saying, but I think a lot of people keep going forward, you know, and I, and those people aren't virtue signaling. Yeah, yeah that's virtuous. My point. <laughs> yes, they're actually being virtuous. <laughs> yes. Well, that that re, that's but an that interesting one, point, Ron. It, but it is kind of like you know, it is one of those things. Like I feel like until, but up until they get there, everyone is going to be like, "You're virtue signaling. You're virtue signaling." And then some people are going to be like, "Okay, you know what? Then I'm just not going to do anything." Look, and to argue against myself here, there's a certain amount of virtue signaling in being opposed to virtue signaling because oh, yeah. you're like, oh, I don't just, like I don't just yeah. have my opinions. Yeah. I take action on them or I really live these things. So I get that too. And this is sort of a first world problem, I would also yeah. agree. But it it is obnoxious. Like, you know, we, and part of what I was trying to write about in conspiracy is not that like Peter Thiel should have destroyed Gawker, although I have opinions about that. It was like, here's this guy. And he put his money where his mouth was at considerable sort of personal risk. And he felt like he made the world a better place for it. And again, yeah. you can totally disagree whether the world is a better place as a result. But like, there's a lot of rich people that don't do that. Right. right. And uh, I, I don't know. I was just I was just inspired by someone willing to get their hands dirty and make change in a way that everyone else thought you couldn't make change. So that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, Ron. just a real quick uh, another first world problem. Um, putting on a duvet cover by yourself. <laughs> What's wow. a duvet cover? Oh my God, Ryan, I weep for your sheets. Uh, <laughs> a duvet cover is something you put on side of a, a outside of a comforter. So why not just call it a comforter cover? That's what I I call it. Yeah, because CC. we don't live underneath a bridge, Ryan. <laughs> And yes, I am virtue signaling that I don't live underneath a bridge. Right. So you call your, your comforter a duvet. Obviously. <laughs> my God. Why? So anyway, I don't Because that's the name of it. Why do you call your automobile a car? Because Right. I call it a car, not an automobile. Yeah. And that's what I... Uh, Exactly, because it's is shorter. The more, is Duvet the more is shorter than yeah, you're not You French, may have Ron. all day to spend <laughs> pronouncing syllables, but some of us, time is money. It's a duvet. Well, this is dumb. Move on. Yeah, well, hold on, hold on. We, we got to talk about this for a second because if time is money, you care about your time I will go to my goddamn grave much. defending this. Why, then why the fuck are there silent letters in that word? Duvet, there's a silent T in duvet, isn't there? D-U-V-E-T, is that how it's spelled? Very Taylor? inefficient. Very inefficient. Yeah, very inefficient, Ron. For somebody who's a whole lot of Confirm there is a T. There is a T, that's right. Yeah, of course, everybody knows there's a T in duvet. <laughs> yeah, why are you using words with silent letters? That's fucking, that's sneaky as shit. Talk no, about man, conspiracy. it's called being French and cultured and shit. <laughs> yeah, you're not French. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
Do you, how, when's the last time you had a croissant? <laughs> oh my god! Oh shit! Oh, like man, like six months ago, I had one the other Damn. day, an egg egg sandwich croissant, and they're delightful. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, of course they are. What are you? That was like illuminating to you. There's a there's fucking virtue signaling. So so virtue signaling, <laughs> Ryan. You know, yeah, I'll say this: eggs on bagels. Little, some bagels, a little overrated. You know the bagels that look like the the like the skin's almost like a basketball? Like they're yeah. too shiny? Yeah. I like shiny bagels. Because they're too chewy, and when you bite into them, it squirts the fucking egg out yeah. all over your date's face. <laughs> <laughs> well, great, another Maddox date. Let's go you for egg sandwiches. King? Where the fuck did you get an no. egg croissant Yeah, let's sandwich. go get egg bagel sandwiches <laughs> and make out. Just that they have it at nice higher-end coffee shops. Why don't you, why don't you fucking uh, Luddites step up your game a little bit? I don't even know if that's the right word, but the, anyway, Ryan, what I thought was interesting, back to you, I want to talk about your book a little okay. bit, too. In, in Conspiracy, you kind of made the case that sometimes conspiracy, we may need more of them. Well, yeah, I mean, conspiracy is a neutral word, right? I mean, it's just a word. So you, yeah. could, use, you could use it for, you could conspire to do something good, you could conspire to do something bad. Um, and so, again, maybe we need less... Uh, we need less virtue signaling and more people sort of working in secret to bring about the change that they want to see in the world. But yeah. how do we know they're working at it? It's a secret. Results, man. Results are what matter. Well, we see results every day, but we don't know the cause of those results. Like, for example, you know, 9-11 happened. Some people think that was a government conspiracy as opposed to a radical Islamic conspiracy. And, yeah, and those people are dumb, though. Yeah. Well, so, uh, right. So, like, basically, his point is, like, you just want good things to happen. You just, just <laughs> virtue please, signaling just happen. Virtue signaling, Ryan. You just want good things to happen, not you bad. You piece of shit. Yeah. I hope no one talks <laughs> and just good things happen. The, thing the world the, just gets better. The thing with conspiracy theorists are is they have such a man. They must think everyone is so much more organized. Yeah. than we really are. Right. Like so my local breakfast place can't even handle brunch, and all of a sudden. There's these huge governmental conspiracies like it just doesn't add up. There's been some interesting research on conspiracy theories where basically like people who uh, believe in conspiracy theories tend to have many of the traits like they're basically saying like, oh, if like if you believe 9-11 was an inside job, you're basically like, oh, if I was president, I would do something really shitty if I thought I could get away with oh, it. Right. Like you're revealing that you have sort of manipulative, deceitful uh or like uh, sociopathic traits. Interesting. Um, like, so Alex Jones, you would never want to be your boss. Right. Ugh. Because he would probably not be good to you. And recently that story came out where he was just calling uh, one of his uh, interns Jew boy or something like that. He just he just kept saying, hey, uh, give it to the Jew. Yeah, and, I believe it, he preferred to be called Jew man. Jew man, yeah. It was very offensive. Uh, well, conspiracy <laughs> theories are, conspiracy theorists are hilarious because like we're now living in this world where like, it's there's very substantive evidence that like Russia may have interfered in our election, yeah, right? Yeah. But like the conspiracy theorists, they're somehow they don't believe that. No. But but it's somehow more. But like aliens causing the Spanish influenza is like yeah. more likely to them than like this ama this this trove of evidence. Yeah. They're like, but that disagrees with my current political beliefs. So I'm just going to ignore that one, and I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on Area 51 or something. But it, in a way, it's easy because you, if you just say, well, that's just a conspiracy, like you, you take all the thought or challenging any of the logic and you just put it in that bucket of just like, well, it's a conspiracy. And it, that explains everything. So it's a, it's a way for you to decide something very quickly and very easily just to dismiss something because it's a conspiracy. There's that's, a certain amount of virtue signaling in calling something a conspiracy theory rather than arguing about how it's obviously not true. 
Well, also, it's it's comforting to think that bad things happen because there are rich and powerful people, or sometimes just powerful people, who are in control of them. So you can kind of resign yourself to a state of helplessness. Like, yeah. nobody wants to... If, if there's a building that is hopelessly on fire, it's kind of, <laughs> in a weird way... Uh, reassuring? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit reassuring because then you know that you're not responsible for doing anything about it. And you right. don't, you're not... Nobody expects you to do anything. Right. Nobody expects you to run into a building that is hopelessly on fire. Right. Whereas a, a building that's a little bit on fire, it's like, oh, now I got to do something. Yes. And by the way, here's here's where I... I actually genuinely am for virtue signaling in some instances and i'll tell you how when this pisses me off anytime somebody does something heroic like for example there's that guy about 10 years ago um somebody fell into the subway yeah. in new york and started having a seizure and some man selflessly threw himself on top of him and kept him protected as the train ran Went overhead over. yeah right? i remember this and then he came out and the first fucking thing he said is like i'm not a hero you know what fuck you you are a hero just fucking own. Why? Why do you have to have this air of humility in addition to heroism? Why can't you just own the because fact that you're fucking? Because if he said I'm a hero, people would be like, "Fuck that guy." No, that's, then that's gonna be me, Ron. Because when I do something fucking heroic, which is like probably tomorrow, and, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna do fucking every news show. I'm gonna go on Ellen. I'm gonna tell Ellen I'm a hero. I'm gonna come out with my Dude, fucking. The cape. only heroic thing you do is like when you choose a salad at lunch over wings. Then it's like, <laughs> all right, I'm a hero. I made a good choice. I only. Uh, only if people can hear me ordering it. I want people to know I'm choosing a healthy option. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I think we we aren't honest about things, right? Like you could argue that that's a form of, of not dishonesty, but it's a sort of a forced humility because like you're yeah. going to get in trouble if you own what you do or what your pure motivations right. are. You can't just be a hero. You have to be a hero and you also have to be, have this air of humility about you. Yeah. It's bullshit. And I think that's even a worse thing than... Like being being not humble is worse than being fake. Uh, humble. fake. Yeah, yeah, deceitful because yes. you're essentially lying to people by saying you are not a hero when in all by all measures you are. I mean, that's my point. It's like, OK, look, if you want to drive like a big truck because you like big trucks, you should be able to say, like, I like trucks. You shouldn't have to drive a Prius because you feel like you're going to get, you know, sneering looks from your neighbor. Yeah. And, and, and also this can be applied in the pot world like people who are pro legalization which by the way it's almost like irrelevant at this point since most most yeah. people seem to be but when when it wasn't especially in the uh early 2000s people were com coming out with all sorts of bullshit reasons for why we should legalize medical marijuana yeah. for you know for for well medical reasons right and that was their their cause but they didn't come out and just simply say i just like to smoke right i like to smoke pot it's weird that the government says i can't do this relatively harmful harmless thing yeah. uh why are we still talking about this? Instead, yeah, we have to go, like, but what about a 93-year-old woman who has cancer and she's in so much pain? Shouldn't she be able to smoke pot? You know, and so we're we're having a fake debate. We're not having a real debate about why we want this thing. I'm, I'm kind of down the center on the pot thing, and this kind of drives some of my friends nuts because I was actually opposed to legalization up until I did hear about my friend's mom who was like 60-something. She got knee surgery, and that was the only thing that took her pain away. And then... That brought me more towards the center, where I was like, okay, maybe I'm a toss-up. Yeah. But I, why I'm still a toss-up is because we still don't have ways to test that in your system. So people driving around high, which can exhibit symptoms such as, like, similar to alcoholism. Yeah. Or to, to being drunk, Oh, rather. the impairment is similar. The impairment, yes. yes. Yeah. So we don't have a way to test that consistently. And so if people get pulled over and if they cause an, a huge accident, and that was the, the cause, we should probably know that. So, right. So uh, virtue signaling. Ryan, any last words on virtue signaling? Uh, no, I don't think so. I have. <laughs> <laughs>
I did want to. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody go. Any last words? Nah, I'm cool. I'm good. I <laughs> said my it. piece. I said everything I needed to. Well, I brought in this one last piece from the okay. Guardian. I want to talk about. It's it's an article that came out in 2016 called "Virtue Signaling: The Put Down That Has Passed Its Sell By Date." Okay. And uh, they're saying it's a phrase popularized by James Bartholomew in 2015. And remember, you said you had no more words. Yeah, no yeah, more. Yeah, no more words. Can't say a damn thing. I'm seated the floor. Virtue signaling is making a statement because you reckon it will garner approval rather than because you actually believe it. It's a form of vanity, all the worse because it's dressed up as selfless conviction. Now, I, I do agree with that that last statement, but the virtue signaling, I think people these days who criticize others for virtue signaling are, like you said, Ryan, yeah. themselves virtue signaling. Yes. It's a word that has become so toxic that even using that word is virtue signaling. It's there's an element of fake news to it, right? So it's like now wait, everyone can just call anything they don't like fake news. Yeah. That's not great. Right. Uh, but I, I think the general sort of uh, so I, I'm I'm more refer, more referring to its effects on sort of this uh creating this kind of apathy and self congratulation despite that apathy. That's my problem with it. I'm not just sort of going around being like, You're virtue signaling, you're virtue signaling. I don't know who has the fucking time. <laughs> uh, Twitter, everyone on Twitter, yeah. apparently. Right. <laughs> everyone on Twitter, everyone on Facebook, just a lot of fucking time on their hands. Well, I mean, like when I pull up the uh, the the sort of the stat, you know, you, you go to Twitter and there's like the trending topics. Right. If you want to see a good example of virtue signaling, click any one of those political topics and you'll see mostly sort of liberal reporters competing to see who can have like the most virtue signaling response to whatever that news, like, how could Trump say this? I'm outraged. You know, it's just sort of this, you know, nauseating amount of just sanctimonious bullshit that they can't possibly care about. They're doing it because this is their job. I I, I agree with that. And especially these days with he headlines that tell you to stop doing something. Yes. And it, and it, anytime I fucking see that shit, it, I get... I immediately go to a 10 on my fury scale because yeah. it's just finger wagging some dipshit is yeah. trying to set the etiquette for culture and they're they're they come from no position of authority they don't have even a, a enough life experience to tell anyone to do anything yet here they are writing this fucking think piece that gets picked up by buzzfeed and then that's the end of that anyway uh virtue signaling guys <laughs> don't forget to vote on madcastmedia.com I want to see what you guys think about this. I know it's a difficult position to take that virtue signaling is okay, but I am a virtue signaler. If I do something heroic, you're going to fucking hear about it. Then I it's love not Brian. virtue signaling. That's the whole point. You think that's not virtue signaling? I am literally virtuing my uh, signaling my virtues. Uh, virtue signaling as as a pejorative is implying oh, a pejorative. that 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 you are signaling. It's like. It's like a, a a pickup artist going into a bar trying to seem more interested, like sort of, oh, women are interested in this and this, so that's what I'm going to pretend to be. Peacocking. Yes, yeah. exactly. Virtue signaling is peacocking. Is peacocking of virtues. Holy yes. shit. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> like your computer just farted. Yeah. Well, anyway, guys, vote on this at madcastmedia.com. I'm curious to see what you guys think. But I have a recap of last week's debate. Ryan, last week we debated how long you should date someone hot but crazy. What do you think? I don't know. You have Not any thoughts very on that? long. Not very long. Right? My answer was zero. But Ron said one month. I yeah, believe you changed well, it to one month. I started in the beginning. I was like, what, for a long time? And then I changed it. I think I went to one month. Because mm -hmm. you know what? Everybody deserves a chance. Yeah. yeah. Well, I disagree. And Therapist Kelly said two dates. And Dreadmere said, as long as it's fun. Coming in dead last was... 
zero. My answer, you guys are all fucking idiots. <laughs> Enjoy your crazy, you morons. Desperate. That's all it is. It's desperate. It's desperation. It's like, oh, you really, please. You really came in dead last? Oh, please give me that pussy. Yeah, that's that's all. Yeah, dead last. Zero. Zero amount of time. And then followed by one month. That's you, Ron. Take that. Yeah, and then, this is not last. Yeah. And then two dates came in second place, but the number one answer was... As long as it's fun by Dreadmere. But that's kind of a m- m- deceiving answer because that could be zero. That could yeah. be one month. You're basically not having that's that answer is I'm not going to pick a number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all but of that's, the above. That's why it was the it was uh, flexible. Yeah, yeah you know? flexible. Let the let the voter know what. It, let the voter. Why not decide. just go until it turns out they're crazy? I mean, you're not answering the question. Yeah, good point, Ryan. And next time Dreadmere's on the show, I'm going to bring it up. At- you can throw that in his face. Yeah, I'm sure he'll love that. Yeah, inconsistent. You know what? That we're gonna we're gonna. Hey, remember that thing this. you said six months ago? <laughs> well, guess what? I have a comeback for it. We're going to invalidate this win. Sorry, disqualified, disqualified. So second place wins, which is two dates. Oh, that's that's still not me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got some voicemail. We got a bunch of voicemail this week. A lot of really good stuff, and a lot of shit too. But uh, here's a uh, here's some words of wisdom from the bad hombre. Listen to this. Hey, well, what's up, cabrones? Um, you motherfuckers out there who are fucking the, the crazy bitches out there, man, you got to be extra careful with them. As it is my experience that those ladies that are the craziest are also the most fertile. And you don't want to be roped up with somebody for 18 years that's crazy out of their fucking mind, so watch out where you put your dick there, man. <laughs> this guy should be on a bumper sticker. Watch out where you put your dick, man. <laughs> it sounds like he's speaking from a lot of personal experience, like 18 years, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's the bad hombre, regular caller into the show. Uh, here is another caller. The Weird Matthew McConaughey had some thoughts on dating crazy. Listen to this. You know what's a sign of crazy? Every time the chick calls you and doesn't get a hold of you, she not only leaves the voicemail, but she marks that voicemail as urgent. Yeah, that's how do you do that? Mark a a voicemail. Yeah, I guess there's a way to mark a voicemail as urgent, which is uh, obviously gets to you much more quickly than a normal voicemail. I'm not sure that's a feature. I've never heard of that. It's a feature. I remember, like, if you listen to the end. And he'd be like, would you like to mark this voicemail as urgent? Press one. Yeah. Which is weird because it takes longer to deliver the voicemail yeah. when you have to wait to mark it as urgent. Yeah. If it's so urgent, you have to sit there and listen to another voice prompt. And by the way, if it's urgent, then, then when you get the voicemail, like this voicemail is marked urgent. It's like, well, yeah. that's taking longer yeah. to get to the voicemail. Yeah. Just get me the voicemail. Because if I think, if I hear you tell me it's urgent, I, I'm not. I'm not going to get any information that I wouldn't get from hearing the actual voicemail. Yeah, it's a completely <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah, you could actually just say in your voicemail, "This is urgent." I guess it was in the day in the, from a time when people got so much voicemail that they looked at it visually. You know that fucking visual voicemail bullshit. Oh, maybe that's what it maybe is. That's like, it. Oh shit, I got I feel twenty. Like this voicemails. was around before that though. Yeah, was it? From, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's garbage. Anyone who leaves voicemail, by the way, I I never listen to voicemail anymore. Don't care who leaves it. Don't care what it says because I know it says the same thing every single time. Hey, I'm trying to get a hold of you. Couldn't do it. And I, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that because I see a missed call. It's the same exact fucking message. Yeah, it's never like, hey, your dad's dead. No. Later. No. Although I did get I did get a call like that one day. Oh, man, this is a whole fucking story from, from uh, one of my aunts. My dad wasn't dead, by the way, but I, I found out. I, I thought he was for about four hours of my life. Oh, uh, yeah, Jesus. It was, oh, it was awful. I'll tell you that story some other, some other time. There's a long was one. Was the voicemail marked urgent? It was not, but it was, it was, it was actually. It was uh, marked dead on delivery. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
<laughs> DOD. <laughs> Terrible. Why uh, do you get more sound effects than the guest? Yeah, I don't know. I just do. I'm the host of the show. That's what I do. That's what I do, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, we you know, get. Like, what do we get? Like, oh, it, get, uh, there's our sound effect. We get buzzer guest one, buzzer guest two. <laughs> Wrong and triggered. That's you, it. you know what's interesting though? You guys have sound effects that I don't. I don't have wrong. I do have triggered. Triggered. That's about it. Whose voice is that, by the way? That it's is great. Yeah, that's a that's a custom voice. We actually recorded it for the show. So here is a here's a voicemail about. I was trying to remember that that uh, woman from the late eighties, early nineties, who made all the colorful trapper keepers. It was Lisa Frank. Oh yeah. Oh, Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank. Yeah. Frank, I kept yeah. Like Anne Frank. I'm like Anne Frank. <laughs> Anne Frank's trapper. Sure, keeper. color. <laughs> Her trapper keepers were not colorful at all. No, they were very, very sad, very drab. Did not uh, did not sell very well. <laughs> yeah, although they closed very softly. Oof, oh, didn't oh, make any noise. No, but anyway, Lisa Frank was who I was trying to remember because she has crazy eyes. If you guys don't know what Lisa Frank looks like, Google it. She has the craziest eyes you've ever seen. Here's a voicemail about that. Listen to this. Holy shit, Maddox! You weren't kidding. Lisa Frank has crazy fucking eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, Lisa Frank. Uh, there's like no picture of her that doesn't have crazy eyes. Check that shit out. Of course, if you're making a bunch of hallucinogenic colored trapper keepers for a living, yeah, something's probably a little bit off with you. All right, here is a here is another voicemail. <laughs> this guy. So last week I talked about uh, a, a tell for crazy, right? It's people who don't like things they've never tried. Okay. And I think that's that's a tell. Oh, okay, got yeah, it. Right. Here's here's a caller about that. Listen to this. You fucking guys. Listening to the podcast and you guys keep talking about how can you dislike something you've never tried? You ever tried shit? Yeah, pretty sure you're not gonna like that. Fucking idiots. As, as the, <laughs> yeah, we're the fucking idiots. You can't even pause the podcast to call into the show. You can Wait, hear so that's talking. a tell of crazy people. Yeah, people who don't. Oh, who who are who they dislike don't... things they've never tried? You okay. got us. We forgot to say except shit. Yeah, oh, sorry, except shit. By the way, you know what shit tastes like because you can smell it. It's not going to be too different. Also, it's not that bad. <laughs> I just, it's, whatever. <laughs> well, here's here's what I think about that guy. Douchebag of the week. Yeah, douchebag of the week. You don't need to try certain things that you know how it's going to be. Like breaking your arm. Don't need to fucking try it. I know I know it's painful. Yeah, I'm we're talking about fucking green peppers. Yeah. You know, something like that. Food, movies, experiences, roller coasters, shit like that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of what? Who the fuck is afraid of heights? Who gives a shit? Sweet mercy. Sweet. It, it delivers you from this fucking uh, bullshit we're on. <laughs> I, I went skydiving. No joke. True story. And on the plane ride up, I was cool as a cucumber. Didn't feel not even a thing. Except for, and this is the only time you you feel anything when you go skydiving. Have you been skydiving, Ryan? No, it's great. I'll never will. You're afraid of heights. I don't like uh, any. Fe- I don't like the feeling of terror. Why would I seek it out? It's not terror though, because your mind can't process. You were just a height. telling us about the feeling of terror that you got while you went skydiving. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. The only time you feel anything when you go skydiving is the moment you fall out of the plane, and you just get a little bit of butterflies. I'll tell you what's an infinitely scarier feeling. Is when you're tipping back in your chair. Oh yeah, right. And that moment where you flip and you you know you're falling. That is infinitely scarier than skydiving because your body, your mind knows how to process that height, and you felt that pain before. But when you're jumping towards the earth from fourteen thousand feet, it looks like you're jumping towards a map. Your mind can't even begin to process what that that pain could even feel like. 
I did this. Uh, I did this thing. You, you want to go? No, no. Actually, after you. I did this thing at a military base once where I gave a talk, and they they had us do like the thing where you practice jumping out of a plane. Mm-hmm. Like you jump and you're like hooked up to this wire, and it's at exactly. They said it was actually to go to your point. They said it was much scarier than skydiving because it was like they set up the tower at exactly the height where you know you'll die if you fell. Wow. Right. Whoa. So like it was you know like. 29 and a half feet or whatever it is yeah. right so it's like you're looking out of a one-story window you're like okay you're looking out of a two-story window you're like probably don't want to do this mm-hmm. you're looking out of a three-story window you're like nope you know and it yeah. was like right at that and that was a super scary feeling that does seem like it would because you have to jump yeah and you can see the ground and you know what a fall like that would do to you yeah but if you fall out of an, uh, an airplane at fourteen thousand feet by the way your your body adjusts to that gravity very quickly you don't feel the pull of gravity anymore you're just feeling wind and I thought the first okay. time, sorry, Maddox I thought the first time you don't jump, like, doesn't the guy jump? Aren't you strapped to some you're guy? To yeah, some you're guy. going So tandem. you're not even doing it, right? Like, it's still falling out of a plane, right? No, Come but on. you're not jumping, so that probably reduces the terror of it as well, right? I believe I went out first. Again, what, what? I am disagreeing with everything you guys are saying. <laughs> okay. Okay, first of all, I went skydiving in South Africa, where it's a little different when it comes to safety, where there is no training. You just go with a guy named Greg, and then when you, when you ask him, hey, man... Shouldn't you be telling me anything? He takes, he removes the apple from his mouth and says, can't you see that I'm eating? <laughs> and then you go up in the plane with Greg and then you turn to him and go, hey man, are you going to like tell me anything? And he's like, God, yeah, you're fine, dude. It's fine. I'll be with you the whole time. And then he opens the door and you scream like a little girl and he goes, we're going to count on the, on the count of three. And he goes, one, two. And then he jumps out of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you're falling, and it's like, yeah, it's fun for like 30 seconds. It is honestly one of the thrills of your life, and it is a, a feeling of terror, but you and adrenaline, but you feel safe because you're with Greg. But then when he pulls the chute, your body's going 180 miles an hour, but your chute all of a sudden goes the other way to slow you down, and you're in a harness inside that, so your balls separate yeah. from your body, <laughs> yeah. and for the next 15 <laughs> minutes, you're just hanging in the air with really tight sore balls mm-hmm. and you just keep and then you and they hurt for a day and that costs two hundred dollars yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all I, it sounds yeah, real I shitty. went once and i'm like okay I, I don't know why people want to do this it, 30 seconds the best that 15 minutes while you're coming down to the ground it hurts your dick uh i don't know man i i was gonna talk about that unless though. you I, have a super tiny dick no. hey maddox how do you feel no you know what? I don't need to try. Hey, Maddox has a very large penis. So yeah, very large. Thank you, Taylor. Let's Taylor. Just... Taylor's been kicking it under the table. <laughs> oh my god! I thought that was. A, I thought I was stepping on a cable. Jesus. <laughs> it is a cable. What do you do? What do you? Is that why you never wear shorts? <laughs> That's right. Because you always have to wrap it around your leg like yeah. a weird garden hose. My pants are shorts. <laughs> Jesus. Always tripping over myself. Yeah, but uh, so but, you never ride a bike because it gets caught up in the chain. Always ride bikes, <laughs> but it's just very chafed on one side. <laughs> uh, one other thing I was gonna say: the scariest thing about skydiving is the training video right before that I saw because it's this guy. You turn on the training video; he's wearing like a camouflage leather hat, and he's got like a ZZ Top beard, and he's like. I forget his name. I think it's like Milo or something. Is hello, my name is Milo, and he's the guy. This is the man who invented most of the skydiving gear. And I'm thinking back to the first person who ever skydived. And I'm like, oh my god, he of course he had to have been out of his fucking mind. And it was this guy. 
And he's sitting there telling you about the skydiving gear. He's like, yeah, I invented all of it. I'm like, of course you got, this guy did. There's no government regulation. There's no anything. This guy just like kind of experimented and figured it out. And he's like, okay, this is who, this is whose, whose technology is saving your life. Did he have crazy eyes? Um, he had crazy everything. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was definitely up there. All right, we got one last voicemail. This is from, I think, the real Christian atheist. Listen to this. Hey, Lord Maddox, it's me. Jesus. Okay, come on. It's like you try. Okay, we all know you're gay, right? <laughs> like, it's been this running gag forever and gag more way than one. But come on, you have a debate. Are traps gay? Come on, they clearly are. And I'm then, like and, then traps. and then you always say, like, weird things about, like, Trans. sex. And then you're like, I wish I could date, like, you know, a hot, manly lumberjack, but, you know, who's also a girl. Where do we, where are we supposed to go when you say these things? I don't know. You might be trolling us, but fuck whales. Yeah, fuck whales to you too, but no. Not gay. So a trap is somebody who has sex with trans women, and the question is, are they gay? Why are they called traps? Well, the idea is sometimes some trans people will not disclose that they're trans until after it's too late, and then you're so-called trapped. You're trapped in the bedroom, and then you have a decision to make. Are you going to go through with it or not? So that's where the I think the expression comes from. So mm. there's a big, it's kind of a meme on the internet where a lot of trans people have debated whether or not traps are gay, people who have sex with trans people. That was a debate we had on the show a while back. But th that has nothing to do with what the call said. I was essentially saying last week that my ideal woman has the personality of a lumberjack, but is like a hot babe. Yeah, he just wants a hot babe who can cut down a tree. That'd be pretty cool. But also like, you know, like a wooden, like stoic, okay. right? I'd like, I'd like, sure. yeah. Like where a girl, where we walk into a crowded restaurant, someone says something stupid, I look at her, she looks at me, we don't even have to say she a word, like, we it, have the conversation. Like you guys have a baby and her, her bosom is full of maple syrup, <laughs> right? That baby will grow fast. Yeah, it's just like, you know, just a baby sucking on the teat of her maple syrup, growing big and strong. I think a woman- I think you're confusing lumberjacks and trees. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to fuck a tree. I don't know. I don't know if you guys are want to do that. I do. And not even maple syrup. You're just thinking of sap. <laughs> <laughs> it goes through a, a process. Yeah, it sure does. Well, anyway, speaking of process, hey, we've got some serious news with our junior journalist, Taylor Nikolai. Did I pronounce it right? You finally did. Nikolai. Oh, uh, Nikolai. There it is. Taylor, we've got some news with Taylor. Taylor, welcome to the show as the first time doing the news. Let's see, let's see what you got. Thank you. So our first news story. Scientists have announced a male contraceptive pill has been developed, which is effective, safe, and does not harm sex drive. Mm. In what has been described as a major step forward, the drug was successfully tested on 83 men for a month for the first time. So far, efforts to create a once-daily pill to mimic the mainstream female contraceptive have stalled because men metabolize and clear out the hormones it delivers too quickly. Maddox, how many children uh, do you think you would not have if you had this pill? I would not have any of them. That would be great. But I don't know. Did you just say the test ran for a month? Yeah. Wouldn't you need a little bit longer? Mm. Also, more than 83 dudes. <laughs> that seems 80, like a pretty small sample size. 83 is a decent sample size. What are you talking about? 83 what? dudes for one month? 83 dudes for one month. Yeah, man. That doesn't even make any sense. What if they got her pregnant on the last day? How would you know? Also, how many times are they having sex a week? You know, I don't like you guys' <sighs> attitudes on this. On this, this is technology. There, it's a breakthrough. Hey, uh, keep keep testing. I'm all for it. You know, they I can, think I think what they do, what they do, and why it's only 83 is because this is how they're probably checking. They're just probably checking sperm count. So they're bringing 83 dudes into some facility, and they're all 
coming in, in cups and, and just jizzing all over the place, and then they're leaving. That's that's a lot that they have to deal with. Now they're jizzing all over the place. You make it seem like they just go into a room and just like a like a sawed-off shotgun fire into the wall, and they'd be like, see you guys next Saturday. Like, I think it's a little bit more like kosher than the way you're describing they it. catch it with butterfly nets. <laughs> Where do you want it? How about everywhere? <laughs> They've got a, got a doctor with a tramp stand. <laughs> <laughs> Maddox, would you take the pill? Yeah, I think I'd take the pill. You know, as a precaution, why not? If, especially yeah. if there are no side effects. I would take the pill. I mean, I feel like... Better than getting a vasectomy. Are you kidding? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I I, I always feel a little bit a little bit of guilt that... Like if I'm with a woman who ha- who is taking pills, who has you know has side effects, I yeah. feel a little bit of oh, guilt. Oh, that, that birth control! Some of that shit can yeah. leave. Uh, like I've dated some women who were on birth control, and then they got off birth control, and there was a huge change mm-hmm. in just the, how they felt every day. Yeah. Like I had no idea that, like uh, how much it affected them. It can wreak havoc, but I imagine it might do the same thing with with guys. I think the only side effect that guys care about, me especially, because I'm fucking bald already, I don't give a shit about my hair, uh, is is Lack of sex drive. So that's sometimes the only side so effect. So like the pill you take yeah. so that you can have sex, its only side effect is it makes you not want to have sex. Then you have to take Viagra in addition to that. And that's you that's the thing with women's pill. contraceptives. Mm. A lot of times oh, really? the pill makes them have less sex drive. Yeah. And that's <sighs> the that's the rub of a lot. Yeah, you're right, Taylor. That's I did the, not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of us. And maybe that's the ultimate. That's what I like control. about this podcast. I learn. Yeah, you do learn. That's what I'm here for. Thank you, Taylor. Good story. Uh, anything else? A Tennessee man wrongly jailed for more than 31 years has been awarded $1 million from the state. 61-year-old Lawrence McKinney was exonerated after new DNA evidence led to his rape and burglary conviction being overturned. The fuck? McKinney then set out to receive the legal maximum $1 million for wrongful imprisonment, which was granted by the Tennessee Board of Claims on Wednesday. Do you think $1 million is enough? No. Well, I think bef- what, you know what he got before that was $75. What do you mean for it? When he originally got out of prison really? after 31 years, they went, hey, sorry about that. Here's 75 bucks. Holy and shit. then I think that's what was the thing that's like, wait, what? And then he looked into his He's options. He's right. 70, $75 was the original. $75. That, just, that, all, that almost seems, that's just rude. That's like when you go into a restaurant and you give like a quarter as a tip. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's worth it. It would have been better, better just to give nothing. Yeah. I very rarely have done like either no tip or a bad tip. And one of the few times, one of the few times, this is the only time I've done it. The the service was so bad, and it was just this this woman. She was very belligerent. I I try to always take into consideration they may have had a rough day, et cetera, et cetera. This this time was just above and beyond, just the worst. Like she she was uh, actively telling us no, she wouldn't give us more water. I'm like okay, so I left what? a fi- <laughs> yeah, I left a fifty cent piece because I know I know. Why did you have one? Um, I had one because I went to the fucking post office and you know how they're always giving you goofy currency. It's like, Hey, there, here's a dollar coin. Yeah, like, they always give you like pesos back. Yes. I've never got a 50 cent piece at a post office before. I don't know what you're talking about. They're yeah. always giving me goofy currency at the post office. How much time do you spend at the post office? I don't at, know. If I... I used to do all the t-shirt fulfillment when I used to sell t-shirts on my online store yeah. and I would ship them myself. I would ship uh, out hundreds of packages every week. And you don't I have would, a guy. I know at the time I didn't, I did eventually. Yeah. But. At the time, when I first started out, it was me shipping. And it was funny because I would read these comments from people buying T-shirts and like, hey, tell Maddox. He's really cool. And then I'll write back. And I'll say, Maddox says thanks. 
That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. I know, I know. And then one guy one time... you got like a trash bag full of t-shirts in the line. <laughs> like a weird t-shirt hobo. No, I, I, it was boxes, thank you. But uh, yeah, for, when I first started out, I mean, it was very much, you know, uh, just a bootstrap operation. I literally had my ceiling in my apartment was stacked. I remember uh, they were here not yeah. that long ago. Yeah, yeah. I used to ship them all myself, but uh, no more. You doing uh, them in boxes? I used to ship, well, because I got the t-shirts in boxes, and then I would take the t-shirts out of them, fold them, put them on racks, and then th- I would use those boxes to take to the post office. So it was a full, complete operation. Well, I what never would had you ship waste. the t-shirts in? You ship them in like little mailer, like little uh, plastic mailers, Ty- right? Tyvek. Tyvek pouches. Yeah, those those are the, because yeah. they weigh hardly anything. They weigh hardly anything, they're, and they're super strong. Tyvek yeah, is an incredible stuff. product. Okay, yeah. this is boring. Yeah. Next <laughs> news story. Right. Uber Technologies halted autonomous vehicle tests after one of its cars struck and killed a woman in Arizona. Yeah. In what is likely the first pedestrian fatality involving the technology. Right. A 49-year-old woman was crossing the road outside of a crosswalk when an Uber vehicle operating in autonomous mode under the supervision of a human safety driver struck her, according to the local police department. Taylor, was supervision, quote, did it have quotes around that word in that uh, in that article? Yes, uh, I, I think you're aware that yeah. the safety instructor was not paying attention. He wasn't, or was it a she? I couldn't tell. It was like a dark, grainy video. They showed this video, and it's horrible. Don't look it up, guys. I'm going to explain it. Anytime I tell people not to look up something horrible, I do my best to explain it in great detail so they don't have to. So I'm going to do that again with this story because it's it's horrible. Um, the 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 So you see the car. You see the dashboard cam, and then you, see, you also see a cam on the driver. And the driver's kind of like not paying attention, looking down, uh, you know, driver, driver in quotes, looking down and occasionally glancing up. And then you see this woman... Uh, push, pulling her bike across the road, and it's dark, and you don't see her until the last minute. I don't even know if a human driver could have seen this woman. And she was just slowly walking across the street, and it seemed like she was possibly jaywalking, and the the person in the driver's seat looks up at the very last second and sees, and it looks just horrible, and then that's when the video cuts out, thankfully. It's just, it's a horrible scene, but they're already talking about regulating self-driving cars and taking them off the roads. Guys, well, the, uh, the, the point is, Uber is already halted. Yeah. Their autonomous testing. It sucks. It really sucks. And I think the argument such... a lot of people have had is that a, a real person would not have been able to stop either. No, no absolutely not. I, I feel like car, dr- self-driving cars are going to make us all safer. And they're already talking about uh, rolling out self-driving trucks, which I think is a fantastic idea. Because dri- truck drivers are always... They're always fighting against their human limitation on being able to drive as long as possible without falling asleep. It's a serious problem, and it causes... There's always fatalities every year. What? So here's the problem. Uber has a history of making shitty... And I took an Uber here. Shitty, ethical, awful decisions. Business, like, from top to bottom as a business. That's not necessarily the company that I want pioneering autonomous vehicles. Like, Google... You know, previously, don't be evil. Generally, has made some not so shitty decisions. It doesn't shock me that the first company that this happened to was Uber. Yeah, I, I see what well, you're saying. The problem is, is that the technology we have right now just doesn't work. That's why people are freaked out about autonomous cars. I mean, it works like, pretty well. The, the no, technology, no. first of all, does. Does work. anyone's printer just work? Mm. Or all the you, time? Or you call? Never it have a problem with your fucking printer. 
Look, and then you want me to get into a car covered in motion sensors? Look, I know Uber can't wise even handle motion sensors basis. in airport bathrooms. You, you, you go, uh, you call an Uber and it says, oh, it'll be there in three minutes. That the, I think they pick the, the minimum amount of time or the maximum amount of time they think you'll wait. And then they just creep it up. They're never uh, like 17 minutes. Right. And I bet that's a conscious, dishonest decision by I, the people at Uber because that's what they do. The point is, we can't make a restaurant table that doesn't wobble. It's true. So now we're going to put some napkins car. Just put yeah. a couple napkins. Put some there. napkins on front of the Uber cars. <laughs> Soften do the Do you fly in an bit. airplane? What's that? Do you fly in an airplane? Yeah. Yeah, okay. he jumps out of them, as you heard. <laughs> Sometimes they're so bad, I jump out of them. Very, very often, those are autonomously flying most and yet, of the time. And we've yeah. had that technology for, for the, like 30 except years. Except for takeoff and landing. We've had that technology for like 30 years, and there's still two pilots in every plane. But I think that like I'm all in on autonomous cars. I do believe it's going to make us safer. There's way less fatalities in autonomous cars than there are just with human-powered cars. You're going to take away drunk but, drivers. But And I agree. But like the thing is, they got to meet us halfway and... like. They're giving us all these toys and like just fucking use Siri on your phone It's until Siri's a hundred goddamn percent. Like I'm not I'm not totally on board with autonomous driving cars. You got to meet us halfway. Give us the basic bitch shit. Make that work. Then I'm going to get into your car. Boo. No, I will get into a self-driving car before they fix my fucking voice recognition shit. I don't care about that. The self-drive by, by the way. The, the problem of, of not hitting things is, is computationally pretty simple. You just shoot out a beam and it bounces back and you just measure the distance between you and that and you calculate the speed that you're going and decide the stopping rate. It's a very simple thing as opposed to recognizing didn't work someone's for that woman speed. though well, no but there's didn't. a point where like if you step into if you step into something tell her family about that calculation you know what i mean um i might wait a month <laughs> a, a week you don't understand the algorithm it's really incredible technology hey so sorry for your loss anyway i wanted to talk to you real quick <laughs> i'll proselytize technology should i wait till the surface is done sure yeah. Um, you know what? What is interesting? We'll have a debate about this, uh, Ryan. I wish you were here, uh, out here more because I think you'd yeah. be fascinating for this debate. But I really want to talk about the the algorithmic decision that they, that these autonomous driving cars yeah. have to make on on if you are in a scenario where there is a group of pedestrians. The trolley problem. The trolley problem. Yeah, yeah. it's it, real. Extremely utilitarian. Yeah. How how do you uh, what do you mean, Taylor? In the sense of what is the the greater good? Yeah. Do we kill the the group of nuns or do we kill the child who is? In the middle of the road. Or in this case, the driver. But what if that child grows they up to be Hitler? <laughs> you know what? I, 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 so, you got to put that into, you know. Well, that, this is this is going to be a fascinating. I was going to go down this rabbit hole, but this episode, we need to wrap up, unfortunately. But Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm going to link to your website, ryanholiday.net slash events, for, okay. right? If people want to see. Yeah, or just ryanholiday.net. Ryanholiday.net. You don't have to come to the event. That's events. even easier. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, who, who's, yeah. got, who's got ryanholiday.com? I think it's some Christian musician. That motherfucker. I know. I know. But he is named after a holiday. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, I'll, I'll do one of those myself. Ryan Holidays. Christmas isn't the only thing that comes once a year. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, boo. oh my gosh all right anyway guys check out conspiracy it's a very fascinating book very fascinating read especially if you guys remember that uh and i i remember watching that hogan sex tape too you did you were you able to, to I, uh, I have seen it yes yeah <laughs> i think my buddy paul sebus has a joke about how he uh abhors any uh, hulk hogan sex tape because he knows during it he calls the woman brother <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that was so great. It was not a very flattering sex tape. I mean, there was a surprisingly good audio. What sex tape is? Well, it was a. They'd hidden a camera in the in the uh, smoke detector on the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. It was black and white. I remember. Anyway, guys, thank you again, Ryan Holiday, for coming on the show. Thank you to the deputy cadet moderator, Ron Babcock. Thank you. Thank you to the junior journalist, Taylor Nikolai. But most of all. You're welcome. Hey, guys. It's Corey. <laughs> Corey. Uh, so you guys mentioned drone porn. Well, good news, fellas. It already happened. Okay. Hey. I can't remember where exactly. Oh, no, I do. I remember where I saw it. A friend sent it to me. And uh, so these people strapped a dildo to a drone. And then flew it right into the woman's pussy. Oh my it was God. fucking wild. Yeah, go go find it somewhere because I don't know where to find it. But yeah, it's happened. Yeah, take it easy. Yeah. Fuck whales. What about the blades? Aren't, aren't you getting hit with the blades of the drone? No, yeah, oh, those are actually other dildos. <laughs> Just spinning really fast. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's foolproof. Uh, here's one more. Hey, what's up, cabrones? Uh, <laughs> this thing about the drone porn. Yeah, your friends over at ETC actually reported on that at one time, I remember. But yep, they got that shit, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Is that just a guy doing a really racist accent? No, it's him. It's him? It's it's the bad hombre. That's what he called himself when he first called into the show. Anyway, guys, uh, thank you for listening. Hey there. Don't forget to subscribe to Madcast Shows on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Okay, bye. Madcast Media Network.